0: This is November 2nd, and this is The Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. And welcome will go back to The Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is... Is Evan Marinovski? Hope you guys are having a great day, a great week. Hopefully, a happy Halloween. Maybe you went to something funny. Took the kids out for trick or treating, got some good candy. I'm eating way too many M and M's, uh, and I cannot believe it's November. It is freaking November, which is wild to me. And what's even more wild is the Bruins don't play for another like hundred years, another hundred years. Which I is just great. Great job by the schedule makers to just completely. Uh, have the Bruins have these weird breaks in between games, but they do not play again until November 4th. And to talk about everything Bruins, had on my good friend Logan Mullen of Nesson.com. And we discussed the changes with the top lines that Bruce Cassidy made in the last game, in the last couple of games. We talked about uh, David Pasternak. Should we worry? Is there something wrong? We got into Jack Stadnica and what's it going to take for him to get going and maybe earn a spot in the lineup. Uh, and then we got into the fun of the musical chairs that is the defensive pairings. Who pairs with who? Uh, what is going to get Derek Forbert to get going? Uh, and we discussed all of those things and more. And today's episode, by the way, is brought to you by Bet Online and Insta. Go to both of those places. More details later in this episode on both. And without further ado, here's my conversation with Logan Mullen. <laughs> And we're here with Logan Mullen.
1: Logan, what is up? What's up, Evan? I'm I'm good. Nothing's up. <laughs> Nothing's <laughs> up. You're in your car though. Something's clearly up. <laughs> I am in my car. This was the best place for me to record today. So I am outside of a Stop and Shop in Rockville, Connecticut right now.
0: Well, that's all that matters, I guess. You know, hey, it's, it's it sounds
1: it seems like it's good Wi-Fi. You've good connection. Yeah, it's actually the hotspot on my phone. So as long as the connection's good, that's all that matters. So AT&T is doing its job.
0: Well, you and you Nesson people love sh- uh, doing Bruins beat from your car because I had Andrew Raycroft on a few weeks ago and he came fra- right from his car and is it was actually right? like, it was weirdly good. I was like, yeah. I was kind of worried because no one had ever done one in their car before for Bruins beat. Yeah. And I was like, wait a second. Like I'm kind of worried and I, I don't know him as well as I know you. So I could like, right. I feel like I could say to you, you know, Hey, can you go inside or something? But it's Andrew Raycroft and I can't, yeah, big you know, celeb. You. I can't be, you know, yeah, bossing him around good, and such. Good,
1: good acoustics and everything. Nice natural lighting. Um, it's a little humid in here, especially since I'm just like <laughs> mouth breathing right now, but we're, we're making it work.
0: It's okay. It's okay. But anyways, speaking of annoying things, the Bruins yeah. weird schedule do not play until Thursday, the 4th, uh, yep. which is much later this week. So another big long break in between. And then, so they play like four games in six days next week. And then between the 14th and the 20th, they don't play. what is like what is with this weird ass schedule i mean there's no real reason for it but just odd
1: yeah i don't know i've tried to figure out why it's so weird and i have not been successful and it's gonna be a mess too when they end up playing back-to-backs and every other night in april while they're trying to make a stretch run like this is gonna come back and be a storyline again in like four months
0: well it's like when they did that uh people if people remember right the longest break the bruins have had in between games in the past three years was that break between uh game four of the eastern conference final oh, in 2019 yeah. and then the uh the stanley cup and i remember people saying oh the layoff the layoff like it's going to become a story after and lo and behold it did
1: it became a storyline well Marshawn hurt his hand because they had to play that scrimmage right and that was when Marshawn yes. hurt his hand
0: Yep, that was that scrimmage. I remember that scrimmage. That place was packed. It was a kind of a yep. lit
1: scrimmage. I mean, the place was bumping <laughs> because people it. could afford to go to games.
0: Yes, yes, it wasn't seven hundred dollars a ticket. Um, Okay, so let's get into real Bruins storylines that we uh, we can really talk about and have you know real analysis for. Uh, and the biggest storyline from this past uh, batch of Bruins games wasn't all that great. They obviously won the game against Florida most recently. Tough uh road swing down south. Bruce Cassidy finally switched up the top two lines. He did midway through uh against Florida on Saturday. He uh, he switched Craig Smith and David Posternock, but it was different. I mean, I think going into it, you would think, oh, he'd want to get the second line going, but it was really to get those top line guys going. Uh, What were your initial takes on that whole switch?
1: Well, I wish he had listened to the guy who was behind the bench during the, was it the Carolina game who was saying yes. put it all with, uh with uh, Bergeron and Pasternak. Uh Unfortunately, he didn't do that. I understand it from the standpoint of having Craig Smith on the first line allows Brad Marchand to not have to do quite as much dirty work. And Patrice Bergeron for that matter. Like it's sort of akin to putting a Carson Kuhlman on a line, right? Where you get to, put a guy there that just hunts pucks and then we'll try and make things happen for his line mates who are more offensively gifted players so like in a vacuum I understand the logic at the same time it's probably more of a referendum on Posternock than it is on anything Craig Smith is going to bring to that line I mean in an ideal world you're probably keeping Craig Smith on the second or third line and letting him just settle in but I don't know. They had to figure out some way to get Poster not going. And I don't know. I'm not exactly a proponent of moving him to the second line and thinking that that'll work because it's not like he's playing with Krejci again, like he's playing with Charlie Coyle. Um, so, I don't know. I, I guess right now is indifferent on it. It seems like Bruce Cassidy wasn't that impressed with what he saw because the next day in practice he changed it right back, right? Um, mm-hmm. But I think it's more a matter of, you know, the Bruins are – pretty beaten down with injuries. Like when you have Curtis Lazar in your third line a a fine player to be sure, but probably going to stagnate some of your other lines. And so a lot of the offensive burden was on the top six and when they couldn't get things going, I think they were at a place where they just had to tinker with a bunch of stuff to see if they could figure out what to jumpstart. Yeah.
0: It's funny. I'd said before the year, you know, it would be a cool idea to try Pasternak down with Hall and coil because I like the idea of the skills between Hall and Poshnok. Those are two very skilled guys. Um, but then again, you mentioned the aspect of you like to have a guy in there that hunts for goes to the dirty areas, right? Marshan's pretty good at that. Craig Smith, yeah. that's his thing. Um, so to have Hall with Poshnok, you, you do miss a little bit of that, but there was a play. It's funny in the Saturday game. I don't know if you remember where it was sort of a, a, a pass between all three guys where they're coming up the boards and I think it went from Posternock to Coyle and then Coyle sauced it over to Hall right in front of the Florida net and it just went over Hall's stick. And I was thinking, you know, if he just finishes that play, yeah. that's so indicative for that line because that's kind of the skill plays they can make. Because Coyle hasn't been bad.
1: No, Coyle's he hasn't. Been good.
0: Coyle's been fine. Like I think you Coyle's done a lot better than most people thought yeah. early on. It's been sort of the injuries um that have plagued sort of that whole middle six. But I don't hate the idea of Moving Pasternak down temporarily. Um, and we can get into the whole Stadnika thing after, but what do you think is up with Pasternak? Is it just a, is it just a slow kind of area or
1: what, what's the deal? Yeah. I mean, I think it's probably more of just he goes through these stretches like this. Yes. Uh, a lot of people are freaking out about it, but I mean, last year he got off to that red hot start and once after he missed the first few weeks of the season and then he was scoring like a menace for the first couple weeks and then he really leveled off uh, and he had some really cold stretches last season and he can be pretty hot and cold and so I'm not really willing to go to a place where you know I'm, I'm concerned about him because short of one or two games he hasn't looked that great I mean, I think it's probably just taking him a little bit to get going. I, I couldn't tell you why, but that happens for some guys. I think it's more concerning because historically that has not been his M.O. So if you're not going to get the ups that usually come with him and you're only getting the downs right now, then that is more of an issue. But I don't know. I think it's just too early to start worrying all that much about him.
0: Yeah, I'm not super worried either. I think, with as you said with him, he like, I remember last year, I don't, I don't have the exact number off the top of my head, but you're right. He was a menace out of the gate. Like he came in after that injury and was just scoring in droves. Um, And then as you, as you said, he cooled off. I I just, there are sometimes where he does look on the ice. Like, you know, he doesn't maybe go for loose pucks as much as you'd like him to, or, or, you know, he'll do a weird thing in the offensive zone where he, you know, brings it in and just kind of makes a nothing play. He'll dump it in the corner or he doesn't you know, it's just—it's like just make the f- extra effort, and yeah. I think there's been that thing with him for the last two years. Um, but again, I don't think that's cause for serious concern. I don't sit here and I'm like, oh god, you, you got to switch everything around.
1: Well, I think the problem too is that relative to his typical linemates, like when Patrice Bergeron and Brad Marchand don't have it going offensively, they are usually making some sort of defensive impact, whether that's five on five or on the penalty kill, but it's very hard for either of them to have games where you look back and think wow they were invisible it's far easier for that to happen with David Posternock because if he's having a bad game offensively there is very little chance you're going to see him do much else and when you score at the rate that he generally scores you can forgive that like you you are more than welcome to have those guys where defense is a very much secondary thing for them but you better be darn sure that they're not going to have either prolonged cold streaks or regular cold streaks. And so I can understand from that standpoint why it would be a little bit concerning, off-putting, what have you, when he's playing the way he is offensively, at times looking indifferent, uh, because otherwise you're not going to get a ton else from him.
0: Yeah, I'm very interested, though, in long-term, what he would look like with Taylor Hall. I don't know if it's like a... A name thing—I don't know what it is—but there's something so interesting. What they could be, you know, if you put them together with Coyle in the middle, what that could do for a guy like Charlie Coyle. I don't know. I just there's something interesting there, and I—I I don't think we've seen the last of that as a second line. I don't think that is by any means a long term thing, but there's a part of me that's like, mm, be cool to see Hall play with Pasternak for like
1: five games. I wonder what would happen if they moved Marsh to the second line. If they did Marsh on mm-hmm. Coyle and Smith and then you do Hall Bergeron and Imposter knock. That'd be That's putting a lot of the defensive burden on Patrice Bergeron unless you get like borderline sulky candidate Taylor Hall from last year when he first got <laughs> to the Bruins but I I think that I almost would sooner try that. Like, if the objective is to get – and I think Charlie Coyle has been fine. I agree with you on that front. But I think if the objective is to get David Poster not going, you probably should put him with the more offensively-minded uh, center. It, it, and that might be a little bit more easy in theory than in practice, but that would be something, if you're really thinking about turning on the blender, that I would probably sooner kick around. Uh, then putting pasta knock with coil,
0: turn it on, turn it on the blender. I like that one. You like it's that funny one though. Is... I, it, I, I, you I do. Steal I, that. I might keep,
1: I'm going to keep that.
0: I'm definitely save. I'm putting that in my back pocket right now. Cause I always like to say cooking with gas. So yeah. turn on the blender. I'll put that, uh, you know, I'll, I'll interchange those Mixes
1: everything up.
0: Mixes everything up. But yeah, I, I it's so funny because, um, the, the the Bergeron thing, it's it, you know he 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 hasn't scored a goal yet this year. Chris Bergeron, no goals thus far. But I think you you know, it's funny you you mentioned putting Hall with Bergeron and Pasternak. I, it's funny because is is as, as offensively minded as uh, Pasternak and Hall aren't as cool as that would be to see. Hall hasn't done a hell of a lot this year. Taylor Hall has not been uh what you paid for thus far. Granted, it's you know few games into the season, but sure. he's still he's a guy. He has two goals. One's an empty netter. Hasn't done a heck of a lot. There's been some defensive miscues with him. Yep. So it's not like I, – I don't know if he's as safe a bet as uh, we expect or, or or want out of a guy like Taylor Hall.
1: Yeah, I, it's tough because I'm trying to reserve as much judgment as I can while they're this unhealthy because I don't think it's getting enough attention how – Big of a burden there is on these top guys. And, again, that's why they're all making $4, $5, 6000000 million a year. But every game, it ends up with, you know, Carson Kuhlman or Trent Frederick or some combination of the bottom six guys playing, like, seven or eight minutes the entire night. And you look in the time on ice numbers for some of these top guys are absurd. And they're all, you know, they're all getting, for the most part, pretty generous starts. Um, zone starts, that is, but I think that there's just so much of a burden on all of them to do so much because the Bruins aren't really getting the depth that they need from the bottom six because, you know, Curtis Lazar has been hurt. Nick Felino has been hurt. Uh, even like I think Anton Bleed has played pretty well this preseason and the lone opportunity he got during the regular season. I thought that he looked fine. Um, but they just haven't, really been able to spread everything out across all four lines like i think they were hoping they would and so i think that's made things a little bit more challenging on the taylor halls david posternox and craig smiths of the lineup than they probably otherwise intended to yeah
0: i agree i mean i think it's it, it if you were to make a bet it'd probably be that the, the top lines come too. you know they they, they get some points down there you'd say it's a sure. pretty yeah. a good bet right A good bet Well, we're talking really good bets Talking about our good friends over at Bet Online. We're back and better than ever. That's a great segue. They're back and they are better than ever. Like those top lines, hopefully will be soon. A new web interface for the start of basketball season and more props, odds and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball, football and hockey action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive that 50% welcome bonus On your first deposit, just use our promo code CLNS50 to receive your bonus from basketball, football, baseball, postseason, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Again, use that promo code CLNS50 to receive that 50% welcome bonus. BetOnline, where the game starts. Speaking of games starting, Jack Stadnika. Jack Stadnika got some time finally on that second line. He didn't, uh, he got called up, was on the fourth line. Everyone's kind of like, why? They had Thomas Nosek, uh, on the second line, but then, uh, he, Stadnika got moved to the second line, got taken off mid game, if I remember right, and then went back again, wasn't all over, been all over. I, I don't, I think Cassie just has a big trigger finger with this stuff and he always has. Um, what's it going to take for Sanika to fit in the lineup? I mean, what is, what's going to have to
1: give? I don't know, because this will sound like more harsh of a criticism than I intend for it to, but for as much as Claude Julien got raked through the coals for how he handled young players, Bruce Cassidy's had that hair trigger with Jack Stanika, Anders Bjork, Ryan Donato, uh, you know, some of them he was right on like JFK. Dan- Dan Heinen. Yeah, Dan Heinen's a great example, yep. Um, Even DeBrusque,
0: you could make the... DeBrusque,
1: DeBrusque. you could definitely make that argument. Um, So, I don't know. It, It depends on who really is making the decision here because I think there's some level of a disconnect, whether it's implicit or explicit, that I think the organization, and this is purely conjecture, would like to see Stanika just in that second or third line role, because that is probably what he's going to be, right? Like in, in an ideal world, that's what he's going to be. I think Bruce Cassidy, who in a way has to look a bit more from a micro level than a macro, and he has to plan his lineup on a nightly basis. He's probably looking at and saying, well, I need the fourth line to get filled up right now. So that's where he's going to go because that's the jolt I'm trying to provide or whatever you know, the Bruins have had so many challenges with these quote-unquote higher-end forwards that prospects, forward prospects, that I sit there and think, why do anything other than play him in the role that you think he belongs in? If he can't be played higher than the fourth line, like if there is genuine belief that he's not ready to shoulder the load of a second or third line, he should be in Providence. And to me, it's really that simple. And so I think, both sides are kind of in a spot where they're trying to take care of their own interests and they're trying to make it work, but there's just a little bit of a disconnect there. So and that's kind of a roundabout way of answering your question of, I don't know what it'll take, but in my opinion, they should either have them on the second or third line, or they should have him in Providence until the, a vacancy opens up. there.
0: Yeah. I mean, my theory on Stanika the, this whole year has been, you need to give him time. You need to give him time somewhere because A, you either can figure out what you have in him for the future. Because for what, three years now, we've heard at least the future down the middle. Yeah. That's not a great future considering you don't really know what he's like at the NHL level sure. because we've never seen prolonged time with him. Or B, you raise his value for a trade. Yeah. Let's say he comes in as the third line center or, you know, Coil goes down or someone goes down. He's the second line center. We saw Coil on the on the right wing with Sanika down the middle for a little bit of time. Let's say Stanika comes in and does well. That raises his trade value. So you can potentially go out and get a guy like Tomas Hurdle at the deadline. I know that's a big kind of a pipe dream, but that's not a bad move. You know, if you if that can save you an extra pick or another first round pick yeah. thrown in a deal like that, I'm for that. But again, that doesn't happen unless you give Stenika the time to show his value and to potentially raise it. Because it's funny, his value looked pretty it looked better than it had like last year coming right. out of the preseason, but now it's just back down to where it was before because he can't get off the fourth line. Also was it against the Sharks? I think that was the game against the Sharks that he was uh, the fourth line center. That was the fourth mistaken. line game. Yeah. And that's maybe who you'd want to trade him to for hurdle. <laughs> I know it's way down
1: the line, but yeah, that's a point. that's a little galaxy brain for, uh, <laughs> for my blood. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think that, well, the one thing I'll kind of push back on is if Jackson Nika works out, I don't know if you're trading them because they're already paying Patrice Bergeron over $6 million, which that contract's coming off the books. They're paying Coyle $5 million. Uh I guess you know, there's really not a whole lot of other pricey options in the organization playing center. But my point is, if he's a legitimate middle six center, you probably want to keep him while he's still relatively cost controlled instead of immediately flipping him for a hurdle or somebody like that. Especially given that Stunika projects to be an NHL center and he's a vastly better player as a center than he is a winger. Um, I, I would listen to the argument that, well, you know, why? It's kind of like when Celtics fans would say, we don't want to trade Jalen Brown for Kawhi Leonard because he could be the next Kawhi. It's like, well, you could have the actual Kawhi, right? And, and so I look at the hurdle thing, and it's like, okay, well, maybe I wouldn't want to trade him for hurdle, but also if that's like the the ceiling of ceilings for Jack Stanika and he could net you a player like that, I'm like, okay, maybe you listen to that. Um, I don't know. They, they need to see what he, he they have in them first, and that's kind of the blessing and the curse of being a contending team right now is – you're not the Sabers, you're not the Senators, you're not the Red Wings, so you can't tinker with these guys and you know actually get a clear idea of who they are. But at the same time, you're sitting there having a tough time sort of planning for the future because you don't know if you can count on him or not. Like how many times have they gotten burned thinking that they could count on Ryan Spooner or somebody like that, and and that you just can't one. because the entire time that they were going through their development track and they would reasonably be ready to make those mistakes and get the NHL reps. They're going to get stapled to the bench because it's a win now team. So if they can't hack it right away, they're not really going to get time to fight through it.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I also think the thing though, I think why I'm um, pro if Sadnika is a legit trade piece and you can get him, you know, trade him for hurdle and lock hurdle up long term, is because if, if Bert's money comes off the books and he's either making less or if he's gone, let's say he's gone. The, Prospect of a top six, your top, your two top centers being hurdle coil is better than coil stanika considering you're trying to contend because you still have Marshan. You sure. still have, you're paying McAvoy a ton. You're paying Pasternak a ton. Like I think as much as this core is overturning, you still have pieces in place signed long-term McAvoy, Carlo, uh, Marshan, uh, Pasternak. You're still going to be contending. I don't, no, you can't, you're not going to trade those guys. So I think it is yeah. kind of in the better interest to try to go for it. And I think Hurdle gets you closer than stanika does, but who knows if stanika comes in and he's really freaking good and they give him time, then it's different. But I don't, I don't know if that's going to happen. You know, that's my only thing with that. But um when we're talking, you know, it's funny, we're talking about some, some hypothetical things, but I can tell you a definite good time. If you want to talk about definite good times, go visit my friends over at INSA Dispensaries. I'm going to talk about cannabis, specifically Massachusetts' premier cannabis dispensary, INSA, I-N-S-A. Now, they're premier because the founders, Pat and Pete, re-engineered the cannabis model from what they sell to how they sell it while never forgetting that it's for everyone. INSA Dispensaries are inviting and modern, so come in even if it's just to learn more about the dispensary. The Staff are Authorities on the science, who answer every question from differences between flowers and concentrates to offerings for insomnia and anxiety, or just you want to chill with friends. That too. No big deal. INSA has a world-class head chef too, and only hires the most respected growers who perfected their craft when it wasn't so legit. One last thing. The INSA founders are not these guys from Silicon Valley, but lifelong pals from Springfield, Mass., that is pretty cool. From Springfield, Mass to the big time. Good things come from
1: Springfield, Massachusetts.
0: Yes, this is true. You are a Springfield College uh, alum. So yes, that is correct. This is, yes. This very good things come from Springfield. So there's another local team to root for. INSA in Salem, East Hampton, Boston Delivery, and two Springfield locations, including just off I 91 beside the MGM casino. Mention that I said to stop by for a sweet t shirt for a penny. For one penny. Or go to insta.com or call 877-500-INSA. Again, when you go, mention we sent you. You get, for a penny, you get a t-shirt. Now, they sent me some of these t-shirts. Logan, they're actually pretty freaking cool. They I are very they are. cool. They actually are very cool. And I wear them a lot. So uh, I highly recommend going and checking it out. It's a good time. And uh, most importantly, the t-shirts rock. And they're great guys. So go support them. Okay, so finally. Uh, one of the biggest storylines coming in this year was on defense. They go out, the Bruins go out and get Derek Forbert. Uh, what are the pairings going to be? Looks like it's going to be Forbert McAvoy to begin the year. And then that'd be Grizzlyk and Clifton on the third pairing. Uh, quickly, Cassidy has switched to kind of Grizzlyk McAvoy, uh, pretty early on, which is great, right? They have good, uh, offensive zone time. They have good shot share, all these good stats. The double edged sword part of that is, the flip side is you have Clifton and Forbert who are not so great on that they're bearing, who have not been uh, amazing. I mean, that's supported by not just stats, like just watch the game. <laughs> it's just not like watch the goals, give it up. Uh, there's been a lot of breakdowns.
1: What do you see this changing? Well, I first would like to say that if I have to see one more take that McAvoy Forbert is better than McAvoy Grizzly. I'm burning Ugh. my phone, deleting Twitter, and... Deleting going Twitter into would solitude. not be the worst
0: thing in the world. Deleting it Twitter would not, would not be the do worst thing anyways. in the world.
1: <laughs> but I'm going into complete solitude. It literally makes me, it takes everything in my power to not just do like natural stat trick. Uh, you know, like the, <laughs> the numbers are so, the numbers I test in every single way support the fact that McAvoy and Grizzlick should be together. Everything except this idea of the grit factor, which is the dumbest shit I've ever heard is supports the fact that Grizzlick and McAvoy should be together. I get the drawback of putting Forbert with Clifton at the same time. I think you're kind of stuck because they are supposed to be your third pairing. Right. And, you know, they're, they're not supposed to be complete world beaters, but they've got to be better than what they are. And this is probably more an indictment of Forbert than anything, right? Because you can sit there and you can say, well, he played with Drew Doughty for a while. He played with Neil Pionk in Winnipeg. Um, you know, he knows how to support those guys. To me, I'm starting to sit here and think, well, okay, sure, maybe. There's also probably a much easier argument to be made which is he was playing with norris trophy caliber players and they were probably bringing him along a little bit right and so when you put him with connor clifton you know no disrespect norris trophy clifton, but candidate he's not, he's not <laughs> charlie mcavoy then he's probably going to get exposed way more than he would with charlie mcavoy shouldering the load on that pairing so i think in a way you have to kind of ride it out with Forbert Clifton and see how bad things would get. You know, it, because, or you put Forbert with Carlo, I don't know, and put Mike Riley with Clifton. That's probably not the most sound defensive, uh, pairing Riley Clifton. But if the thing is, you can't have three just good, but not great defensive pairings. Like if they're all going to be relatively average because you're putting forward with McAvoy, for example, then at a certain point, you're just kind of rudderless and spinning your wheels. So that's why I'm a proponent of, well, you know that Grizzly McAvoy, eye test and analytics will tell you they are one of the best defensive pairings in the NHL. Then you need to ride that out. Like if nothing else have an elite top pairing, a pretty good slash, you know, good, decent, uh, second pairing. And then the third pairing, you, you know, man, the harpoons and pray for the best. Um, a lot of teams approach things that way. I right or wrong, but you have to kind of deal with the personnel that you have. And to me, it's like, why bog down Charlie McAvoy with anything less than a player that's going to get the absolute best out of him um and and that's kind of the approach that they've done so I think they need to just suck it up and see what they have a little bit longer with a Forbert Clifton pairing
0: yeah and also you can change pairings mid-game it's not yeah. like it's set in stone you can you can switch things around it's funny you mentioned flipping Forbert with Riley and I don't hate uh Forbert and Carlo because I think you know you use them in defensive situations like I I, I like Carlo obviously um but putting Mike Riley with with Clifton would scare the hell out of me. <laughs> that would be <laughs> a ride like, in the defense. That would well. be a, re- that would be a legitimate roller coaster. Um, so I don't know if that would, uh, I don't know if that would fly. I think that would last maybe like two shifts and cast be like, nope, yeah. yep, this is not happening. But I mean, I think the thing with Clifton is, you know, Clifton has to be a little more responsible. You know, we always say the Cliffy hockey experience and it was always kind of like this fun loving thing in the early days. But now that it's become like, you know, he's, He's a regular, like he's supposed to be in the lineup every night. You need him to be a little more responsible. So I think that has to happen. And then you're right. I mean, Forbert is definitely getting exposed a bit. I expect him to get better. I don't expect Forbert like to be a complete bust. I think it's, again, it's early on. He new new signing, like, you know, things take time. Sure. I'm willing to wait it out, but you're right. I, I don't want to see him with McAvoy full-time, especially considering it's Charlie McAvoy. Like you want to get the best out of him. You don't want McAvoy, you know, McAvoy's still only, what is he, 23? You don't want him like lugging along his defensive partner. Uh you want him to freaking have someone who's next to him who uh is getting the best out of him as he's
1: getting the best out of them. So it's the best expecting... out of Grizzlick, too. It's mutually beneficial. Yes. yes. Like you're yes. you're a better team when you're getting more out of Matt Grizzlick than when you're getting more out of Derek Forbert.
0: Oh, yes. And also, by the way, I don't want to see these B, I don't want to see B you get more clout for stuff i don't want to see it you and i can both agree we're both from different schools but we both don't want to see bu get all this this good press uh but nonetheless they you know chris Lick and McAvoy are a good pairing they work well together um and they they get the best out of each other so that's who should be the top pairing yeah. um and you're right i mean the whole idea of like oh you know they don't have enough grit chris Lick doesn't have enough grit it's like well you know I would way rather have Grizzlic out there in certain situations because he can break the puck out. You know how many times I see you know Derek Forbert flip it up the wall or just not be able to get out of his own zone or or you know those bigger guys just kind of like mess up the breakout. It's infuriating. Yeah. Nobody's better at escaping pressure than Grizzlick. so um I am all in on those two being the the, the top pairing for sure, yeah. but uh anyways, co-sign. Logan, yeah co-sign. Logan, thank you for joining uh, from your car before you go. What can the listeners look out for from you? What should they The be
1: Listeners for? can look out for the Nesson Bruins podcast every yes. Tuesday on mm-hmm. all the usual outlets. And then just, you know, pop on by Nesson.com, Nesson.com slash Bruins, everything you could ever need right there. And uh, yeah, that's that's about it.
0: Yeah, they should go. And what more what day does the podcast drop? Uh,
1: Tuesdays, we usually record oh, on great. Tuesdays and it's out that <laughs> night, so.
0: Okay, okay, well that's great actually, cause then I come out on Tuesday mornings and people can listen on Wednesday or Tuesday night when, yep. when, when your podcast drops. I always say, and I said this to you the first time you came on with podcasts, it's not all at the same time. Right. Like, it's not like we're radio shows and we're going against each other in the same time slots. The beauty of podcasts is you can listen to them whenever. So that's people true. should, and we I highly should. recommend
1: we should sit, release our podcasts in like four hour windows and take them down. And that yes. way we can just build an old fashioned rivalry, in which case I probably shouldn't have come on today.
0: but yeah, You shouldn't have. Why did you come on? A we'll little cancel I this know. episode. Just get out of here. Anyways, uh, people should go read your work as well um, and follow you on Twitter at By uh, Logan Mullen. Anyways, Logan, thank you for joining. And for Bruins Beat, I'm Evan Marinovsky. You Bruins Beat listeners have a great rest of your week. <laughs>